Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Talking to Humans. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Mark Andrus, with my co-host, Vicki Demert. Hello. Hello, Vicki. Hi. This season, we are talking about engaging with our emotions. Um, and our guest today is John Cronwald, uh, and he's going to be sharing with us uh, and helping us kind of think through the emotions of love and hate, which are often viewed as contrasting emotions. So, John, before we before we get started on our topic for today, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, could you share just a little bit about yourself, your family, and your role here at Gateway? Yeah, sure. So, uh, my wife and I uh, have uh, lived here in the Valley our whole entire life. So, I know there's a lot of people who come here from other places, but we uh, are born and raised uh, here, just grew up in Chandler and Gilbert area and love it. We have four kids, Jack, Emma, James, and Kate. And uh, so much of my joy and my rest mm-hmm. is just uh, watching them grow and, and play and um, develop hobbies. And so, yeah, that's a big part of part of my time um, here at the church. I actually am the pastor over our communities. There are adult small groups uh, that meet throughout the week. And so a lot of my time is leadership development and support and resourcing those groups, uh, as well as our guest services ministry on Sundays. I love thinking through hospitality and creating environments that are welcoming. Awesome. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff that you do in communities. There's a lot more things that you do with guest services and others that people aren't as aware of. Uh, but you really have your fingerprints over a lot mm-hmm. of different kind of ministries and relationships here at Gateway. And I've been working with you for nine or ten years, and it's been a lot of fun. So I'm glad to have you on the show today. Thanks. Uh, so as we're talking about emotions, the topic for today, like I said, is is love and hate, or perhaps even some people would naturally think through it as love versus hate. Uh, so I just want to start by by asking this. Uh, and this is a little bit of a purposefully broad question, but how would you, how would you define love and hate? Um, maybe, maybe on kind of a more of a theological level, but then also like, how then do you experience love and hate? Mm, that that is a good question. Um, I would say uh, we we see starting theologi- theologically uh, in the scriptures, we just see the heart of of God, um, His love. Uh, throughout the scriptures from beginning to end, the way his character uh, is displayed on um, through creation, through uh, the way that he is protecting and providing and redeeming a people and restoring. And uh, we see the culmination of that at the end, um, this this idea of uh, what it is to be uh, flourishing with him when all things are, are good and there's an absence of sin. And so I think hate is... Uh, actually, the uh, emotion we see from the Lord appropriately when mm-hmm. uh, things push back or corrupt mm-hmm. the things that he loves. And so when when his perfect creation um, begins to be uh, tainted with sin and things begin to unravel, we, we start to see this emotion uh, from the Lord. We see it clearly uh, in the person of Jesus. So we, we often watch him walk around and you see uh, through emotion, actually, the way that he loves. Um, and you also see through emotion the way that uh, when things push against that uh, love or the way that it was designed to be, that uh, that he begins to get angry and hate those things. So I'm guessing that when you were 11, 12, 13 years old, you just didn't you know, suddenly emerge as a, you know, adolescent or teenager with this framework understanding for, for love and hate. Um, that's probably something that's been shaped and formed over the years. How, how have you personally experienced those emotions and kind of 
maybe try to connect then with with then how you've arrived at some of the you know this understanding of, of love versus hate now yeah interestingly growing up uh being a church kid uh growing up in the church being a good kid knew, knew the rules knew all the the ways to do to do good and be moral um i think i think there was even uh an aspect in my in my own household where uh, a lot of the positive emotions of uh, that came out of love in particular, but uh, positive emotions of joy and happiness, like those were celebrated and those were good and we need to pursue those things. And all the, the bad emotions, um, even just sadness or pain or fear, um, hate, these kinds of things, those, those were evil and you really wanted to avoid those at all costs. And so, uh, and so there, there was a lot of things that I really intentionally wanted to love and delight in and find joy in. And, uh, and then any time, any kind of feeling of hatred or anger or, uh, fear was, was wrong and, and should be squelched. And so I think I, I grew up with an idea that, um, that emotions in general were not good unless they were positive emotions. Uh, and so even this idea of love, hate, um, I really, from an early age, just kind of had this moral framework of love is good, hate is bad and never hate. <laughs> How did you feel about hate? Like, like, if you felt a bad emotion or one of those negative emotions, like, did you not like it? Did you hate it? How did you work through that? Yeah, I, I really did not like it. I, I you know, my my personality. I'm more of a peacemaker. I like I like when things are uh, in harmony. Mm-hmm. I like when people are getting along, where mm-hmm. there's there's no tension. And, um, I really hated any kind of unrest Mm. and, uh, and so over time I started to realize how quickly I tried to minimize, um, when, when people would even make comments of like, I really hate this, or I hate this thing that I'm dealing with. I would, I would feel like I had to fix it and help Mm. them see how it could actually be a good thing and they should love it or, Mm -hmm. or something. And I mean, I saw, I saw a lot of this even with, uh, early on in our marriage when my wife would be sad about something or disappointed by something. I hated that she was sad Mm. and I just wanted so badly to fix it and make it go away and talk about all the things that are good and that we should love and delight in. And, um, and so any, any of these painful emotions, uh, any of this, this like hatred, uh, ironically, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to hear you describe it, it sounds like there's kind of a, like a dichotomy or a, a bi- like a binary framework. You said, you know, positive emotions, feelings, love, and so forth is to be put up on a pedestal and commended and pursued and any kind of what we would kind of categorize as negative emotions, um, specifically, you know, hatred distaste, disgust, those sorts of things are to be avoided because there's a, there's a moral assessment assigned with those. So everything is kind of in that, that binary framework. Um, how, how have you, how have you changed over the years? How has your view on those con, what we see to be contrasting emotions, how has that view changed and adjusted and adapt over the years? I'd say, uh, as, as i as I have looked at the scriptures, uh, in particular, as I've looked at Jesus, and I think even just as I've matured, as I've gotten older, and have more life experience, uh, there are 
There are a lot of times where I am starting to realize that love and hate aren't incongruent, where Mm. you're either loving or you're hating, but these are actually two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And um, so, for example, when I love that my kids are safe and joyful, I hate the bullies Mm -hmm. that are threatening them, right? When my wife is experiencing pain and hurt, I hate that she's experiencing that because I love to see her yeah. happy. You know, those types of things, and so you, you start to s- start to realize these are these are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like my hate is born out of yeah. uh, love. My love um, really is driving a lot of that emotion. The things I love, the the, the objects of my affection. Yeah, it's actually an ex- expression of your love that you would hate bad things that are happening. Yeah, to your family. Yeah, when you're when you watch the person of Jesus, when you're looking at the Gospels and he's walking around, um, a, a great example is is there with Lazarus in, in John 11, and he's weeping, mm. and I think he's weeping genuinely because he loves his friend Lazarus. Yeah, but I also think he's weeping because he hates that sin has corrupted this perfect creation, and now mm. there's death and decay mm. and physical harm and it's both this love and hate simultaneously and you just see that as he walks around the the compassion he has for people and the hatred he has for others who are causing the pain on his people what does it what does it look like for you personally as you've grown as you've matured as you've studied jesus what does it look like for you and i guess even how difficult has it been for you to learn to lean into that aspect of your emotion that you're kind of naturally inclined to avoid or dismiss. Yeah. So also on that, on that, uh, idea, one thing that I've, I've been convicted of recently over the last couple of years is there, there's this idea of, um, I think emotion in general, we, uh, especially maybe more so for men, but I think this is true of anybody. Like we downplay emotions because Mm -hmm. we think they're, irrational and extravagant and Mm -hmm. unpredictable and reactive and all these things. Um, Whereas we see somebody like Jesus being really emotional and he's doing it really Mm -hmm. well. And, and so you go, okay, emotions must be good. And, uh, and so maybe it's just the over exaggeratedness of emotions that are problematic. And so that's kind of what I thought, okay, especially with, with bad emotions. But I've also started to see over the last couple of years, the under reactive nature, the downplaying mm. of emotions mm-hmm. is also unhealthy. And so even the ways in which I am not leaning into or, or acknowledging or ex- accepting uh, painful emotions is also unhealthy. And so you start to lean into that. And so for, for me with, uh, with this idea of just um, the connection of love and hate and how that, how that plays out, I've started to see that it's not the emotions themselves that are good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's the source or the, or the motivation of the emotions. And so a lot of times my emotions are driven by what I define as, mm-hmm. uh, as good or what I want to pursue. And so, for example, I love comfort. Mm-hmm. And so I pursue it. I, I know all the things that'll make me comfortable, the situations that'll make me comfortable, the people that'll make me comfortable. Um, and I hate when I'm in a situation that I'm not comfortable. And, um, like and so, right now. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so what I found is it's not that emotions are good or they're bad, uh, in of themselves, but to go, how are my emotions not in line with 
the heart of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, where are the things that I'm that I'm putting love in that aren't aren't in line with God's heart? They're just mm-hmm. what I want, and therefore the things that I'm feeling uh, even hatred towards or or discomfort towards are as a, a result of me not getting what I want. Um, and how might that look different if my heart was in line with loving the things that he loves mm-hmm. and hating the things, therefore, that he hates? What would that look like? How would that be different? That's that's some of the ma- uh, maturation process that uh, I think over the last couple of years that God's slowly been growing in me is to is not, not to see like love, hate, emotions as good or bad, but to go, they're just dis- disordered. They're not mm-hmm. in line with God's heart. Yeah, kind of what I hear you saying is like emotions, they don't lie. They they tell us the truth about what's important to us, what we love. And the more we come to know God, the more we um, love the things he loves and hates the things that he hates. Right. Like he loves justice and mercy and um, we we hate sin. Um, so kind of what I want to ask is what does that mean or look like to to hate the sin, Bo- both outside but and from within? Yeah, you're hate the sin. Well, I think that's, that's just looking at to see how it's a grief to the Lord. And, uh, if I hate my sin because it caused people to think less of me, if I Mm. hate my sin because it made me uncomfortable, if I hate the sin because I'm suffering because of my own stupidity, um, then that's, that's an improper, I, I feel like there's some validity to that. Like there's some, some emotion that that reveals, but that's, that's going to be much more of a wave of, um, taking me down a, a trail that I don't want to go and in a place that I, I don't need to be. It's like uh, regret rather than yeah. remorse. Right. And yeah, I, and I'm going to put, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to put way too much stock into things that will continue to just keep letting me down. Um, versus if I go, Hey, I see the way that my sin grieved your heart mm. or the way that is not in line with your heart towards this person that I send against and your, your call for me to love them. And that's, that's really where I'm going to flourish and be healthy. And I'm going to experience the greatest amount of satisfaction and joy when I'm, uh, when I'm lined up and ordered rightly with you, uh, with your desires. And so I think to be able to hate the things that, that hinder my, uh, father's heart or my relational connection, um, to him where, where I just, I know that this grieves him. That's, that's actually a good place to be, I think. And, uh, and that's actually where I feel like I experience the Lord's presence a lot in those moments, not just in the shame of like, oh man, I'm, I've disappointed people. You know, there, our, our culture throws around the word love um, pretty, in a pretty cavalier manner, like um, to the point where it kind of diminishes the real meaning of the word. Um, you know, we, and we, we toss around like, hey, we love tacos, we love mm. this restaurant, mm. we love this video game, this sports team. We're like, we don't really mean love. Yeah. You know, but but that's just, that's the word we use in this exaggerated way. And so it's, it's lost its meaning other directions. There's a there's a Paul Tripp definition of love, which we use in, in different settings, um, which is, you know, love is the willing self-sacrifice for the good of another without expecting or demanding anything in return and whether or not the person, you know, deserves it. Um, which if you like, that is all perfectly encapsulated in Jesus, especially as we look at, you know, Philippians two, but if I could condense that down to, to like one even shorter phrase, love is moving toward people for their good. Mm. Right. What is, we think about this, this emotion of love, 
and and our understanding would be that like in order for it to truly be love it must also lead to action mm. as a as a pastor as somebody who's been involved in shepherding stuff and and you know with our redemption communities and lots you know discipleship lots of things around gateway what what would you what would you encourage people listening to this to to consider and even push into and challenge in their own hearts in order to move from a theological understanding of love into this idea of action of moving towards someone for for that other person's good like what what kind of what kind of exhortation counsel consideration would you give yeah i'd start with just recognizing the uh the false definitions that our culture continues to put on love where we walk around assuming that love is a feeling Mm. Um, that love is transactional, that love uh, is something that makes me feel good. And so I love tacos because they make me feel good. And I love you because that makes me feel good. And as soon as you don't, I no longer love you. Um, Mm. And so love can just basically be that. That's why we hear all the time people in relationships that say, I no longer love them. Like they no longer make me feel Mm. this way. Uh, I think they use it in much more of a feeling sense. Um, but if if we're really going to start to look at that biblical definition of like love is this willing self-sacrifice for the good of another, then all of a sudden it's not about my feelings. It's not about how it impacts me. It's not this transaction that's going to make me uh, move forward or get ahead or feel better. Um, but love is really for your good. Then all of a sudden you have to go, love is going to therefore be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. inconvenient, and costly. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you can't go, well, I, I really love my wife. I really love my friends. I really love this group of people. If you aren't being discomforted, if you aren't being inconvenienced and slighted and overlooked, then, then you probably aren't really loving to the extent that love really calls us and compels us to. And so, uh, if you really do love, you're really going to be hurt and you're really going to be inconvenienced. Yeah. I think as we talk about it, it's, it's easy to talk about, but actually doing it is you experience the, the pain and the hardness. Like, it's really hard to do. I'm actually thinking about a story that I heard um, years ago about a gal that she was living in an apartment, and um, there was a, an older woman that kind of was the resident mean lady, and everybody kind of just avoided her, and she just had this reputation of being mean. Well, anyways, this gal was throwing out her trash in the bins outside, and the resident mean lady came out and... Um, started yelling at her and berating her for doing it wrong or putting it in the wrong bin. And, and she, she yelled back. And, um, so she, she went back to her apartment and was all worked up and kind of wrestling and praying to God and <clears throat> felt the call to go and ask the, the resident mean lady for forgiveness. Um, so she, um, it was hard. Like, so she went to the door and knocked and the lady was really defensive and she said, Hey, I, you know, y- you just wanted to make sure that the, the trash was being done right, um, and I was doing it wrong. And my response to you was unkind, and will you forgive me? And, you know, the lady was kind of taken aback. And um, But kind of what came from that was uh, a, a relationship that, that mm. kind of sort of developed. But it's, um, you know, you think about all of the kind of emotions and, like, going, the, the humility, the, it, it's really hard to do. Um, well, that, that was, that's a risky move yeah. to go down there and have that conversation because you could get turned down again. Yep. You could get yelled at all over again. You could make, mm-hmm. uh, made feel small. Yeah. Um, and so to, to even to go 
and have that conversation, knock on that door and say, hey, you here's something I saw. And I like that was out of love with a lot of great inconvenience yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I think, difficult to do because it comes at a cost. Yeah. One of the things that you said a minute ago, uh, which kind of overlaps with uh, with both concepts of love and hate is is really this this idea of selfishness so our 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 typical kind of western if you will view of love is i will love you as long as it's convenient for me and i get something out of it um and and so and we would go well by definition that's not then actually love biblically speaking but but again that's that's our general kind of perspective so then hatred also is i hate you or I hate this situation because of what it does to me, because of how it hurts. And so even the 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 negative or the, the incorrect expression of those two selfish. emotions that aren't in alignment with God's character, the thing that makes them not in alignment with God's character is our selfishness, is the, mm-hmm. the fact that we're entering into whatever the situation relationship is with what's in it for me. And and similarly, going back to what you said before, like the appropriate expression of hatred at something or someone that I love is being hurt, is being sinned against, is being wronged. Um, to love looks like moving into that mm-hmm. situation motivated by your hatred, which then is also bringing more inconvenience to you mm-hmm. because you're now entering into further conflict. Um, and and so one of the themes that keeps running throughout this this season of talking to humans is uh, is that m- very few of these emotional expressions are like follow that binary, like it's always right, always wrong, always good, always evil. Um, but that there is a there is a place in the way that God has designed us. There's a place within God's you know God's design for creation and in the person of Jesus to see these things rightly expressed. Um, so the the kind of la- last question I had for you then is um, on a on a daily basis as someone who is generally a peacemaker. What what work do you have to do personally to kind of set aside the pursuit of comfort? Um, what do you do to prepare your own heart? What do you look for in, in other people's situations um, that maybe you have to put some extra effort into in order to love and hate appropriately? That's a good question. Uh, I'd say a couple of things. So one, um, again, I don't do this every day, but like when I'm when I'm healthy when I'm uh, close to the Lord uh, by his grace, um, I'm able to remind myself, uh, I go through this process where I go, okay, God is sovereign, so he's in control, so I don't have to be. Um, So he's the one that's going to be pulling all the strings. Mm -hmm. He's causing the circumstances. He's doing all this. Uh, But then secondly, he's good, Mm -hmm. and so he isn't to be afraid of. um, And so therefore I can be comforted that he's, he knows what's best, and he's doing it. And uh, and then th- the third part of that is to go, and he's with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the promise uh, all the time when I'm when I'm really when I see situations where that I need to lean into, or even things that I'm trying to avoid. To go like God throughout the scriptures, when you call people to do tough things, you don't say you got this in you. Mm-hmm. Muster up this great strength, dig deep. Uh, he says, I'm with you. I mean, it's Exodus, I think it's three, where he's talking to Moses and says, um, I want you to go do this thing because I care deeply about my people and you're going to be the one to 
to go in and for the sake of love, uh, be my voice to push into these things. And he's going, who am I? Like, I can't mm. do this. And I feel like that all the time of going like, God, here's an opportunity where I could love somebody or press into some things. I don't really want to. That do- that doesn't sound good. I'm probably going to actually experience more t- tension and unrest, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. But to go, God doesn't say, Moses, come on, you got the son. Like, mm. get out there, go get him and slap him on the butt and send him on his way. He goes, I'm with you. And, mm. and so th- to just go, God, I want to be faithful. I want to honor you. I want to love well. And I know that you're with me. Help me remember that that I experience your presence in the midst of even potentially some risky, uncomfortable, inconvenient uh, things, knowing that your love for me, you're going to provide the comfort, the rest, the satisfaction in you um, in the midst of me trying to do what's good. And so that's, I think that's the, the first thing is just kind of preaching that to myself. The second thing I think um, the way that I get there is uh, you have to, you have to have this posture of dependence in prayer. And, um, this is something I've been trying to grow a lot in this year. I feel like so much of our prayers are very, uh, transactional. Um, I'm just coming to you to say this scripted thing to get what I want. I mean, think about how many times with people we love that we come to them when there's something we need or want from them, how we come with an agenda. And I feel like so much of our prayer is like agenda driven Mm -hmm. prayers. And, and we don't have enough time, especially in our busy, cluttered life where we spend five minutes praying. I've got these things that I need God to do. I'm just going to tell him. And he wants to hear those, so I don't want to minimize that. But in the moments where I can actually clear space, oftentimes I find the only way I can do this is in my car mm-hmm. when I'm driving. I'm on the road for 20 minutes. I turn off the radio, and I'm just sitting there. I'm captivated. I can't go anywhere. I can't talk to anybody. I can't be interrupted. I begin just talking to the Lord and I can get through my agenda in the first couple of minutes, but then there's unhurried space where then he can speak to me and he begins to shape my heart. And so a lot of these things where I already assume I know what love looks like and I know what's best for that person. And I know mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will come in and fix this. Uh, so here's how I'm praying. God use me to make sure to help them what I think they need. Um, <laughs> he often corrects my heart or changes my heart and goes, that actually isn't, loving them, that's kind of just loving you <laughs> as their savior, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but here's actually what love could look like. And it's actually even more costly than you think. Mm. And then, uh, there's been a bunch of moments in the last couple of months, even in the last couple of weeks where I've just started weeping in my car and just tearing up and going, God, thanks for just being with me right here, sitting here at this light, you know, as, as I'm realizing now an area that you're calling me into that I hadn't seen before. And I think that only happens in unhurried moments, quiet spaces with the Lord in our, our busyness. We don't ever get there because we have an agenda where we think we know the Lord's heart. So I think that's the second piece is just creating space to have God show you what love could look like in the places and the people he's called you to. What I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about what I, what I'm hearing is almost a surrender to our, our judgment to what love looks like or our assessment of what love looks like for other people. Um, but then there's a kind of a self-awareness piece that, that, Hey, this is what I think for them, but bringing that to God, I mean, God, what do you have to say and shape my heart and inform me? Um, and he's going to probably do something. He will do something even bigger or something over here that we're not anticipating. Yeah. Well, and ultimately he gets the glory for it. So if I've crafted this great plan of how I'm going to love you, then I can pat myself on the back and go, yeah. see, look what a great job I did. And when he starts to go, no, here's what love looks like. 
and then I have to do it even though I didn't want to do it, yeah. then at the end, when I experience the peace and the joy that comes from uh, the obedience of the Lord and drawing near to him and drawing near to people, I go, God, thanks for your grace in that mm. and give him the glory. John, before we finish up our time together today, I just wondered, is there, do you think about this topic and different ways that you've experienced it, different ways you see you know, some of these relationships and emotions playing out in those relationships? Is there anything, any kind of final thoughts or anything that you'd want to share with us or, or add before we conclude? I'd just say the, uh, uh, the idea of, of love and hate I mentioned earlier, we have our own definitions of what, what love looks like and what hate looks like. And if they're, uh, at all shaped by our own understandings and our own desires, they're most likely going to be pretty selfish. Mm. Uh, the mm-hmm. things that I love are going to mostly benefit me. The things I hate are mostly going to benefit me. Um, and so we just need to create space where we can hear the heart of the Lord and space where we can see from the scriptures, from prayer, from other people of going, God, what are the things that you love? What are the things you hate? Help me understand that. Help me see that. Like the more that the older I get and the more time I spend in the scriptures and I just continually see his heart and his compassion for people and I see how different it is than mine. Um, I really want that to shape my definitions of what love looks like and what hate looks like. Awesome. So good. Yeah. Well, John, thanks for joining us today and and sharing your thoughts and experiences and even shepherding us um, through this uh, through this topic. But uh, that's all we've got for today. Uh, Join us next time for another episode of Talking to Humans, where we'll consider another emotion that is common experience for all of us.